You're listening to Checking In, a self-help book club hosted by Adam and Amber, where we read self-help books each week and sit down to talk about them. Disclaimer, the opinions recorded on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the authors mentioned here. Welcome back, book clubbers. Uh, It's Checking In with uh, Amber and Adam. How are you doing, Amber? I'm good. That was our (laughs) check-in. He cut me off before I could say it. <laughs> that was the joke. How are you? I'm good. You know, I got my coffee, got some water, you know. I have chosen to mix my coffee and my water into one cold drink. <laughs> I'm using frozen water. Um, so today's book is a bit of a doozy in terms of popularity and how it was to read it. So it is the gentle art of Swedish death cleaning. What is the word? Donstag? Probably. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> One could probably make it up and, and get it pretty close. By And I I know I'm going to mispronounce this. Margarita Magnuson? I'm sure that's probably right. Or uh, Margarita. Yeah, who knows? This is awful. I'm just going to mispronounce <laughs> it every single time I say it. Uh, for the rest of the podcast. So according to her bio, she says she is somewhere between 80 and 100 years old. Mm -hmm. She says that in the book too. (laughs) I wonder if it's because the book is a static item and we could be reading this at any point in the future. Right. And she will update the age when she's past 100. Maybe. Maybe. That seems unlikely. She was born in Gothenburg, Sweden on New Year's Eve and graduated from Beckman's College of Design in Stockholm. After working as a fashion and advertisement designer, she embarked on a career as a painter. Her first solo exhibition was uh, absolutely unrelated to this podcast (laughs) in 1979. Later, she exhibited somewhere else and Hong Kong and widely around Sweden. She has moved house. This is the important part. Yeah. She's moved 17 times yeah. within Sweden and abroad, which is why she says, I should know what I'm talking about when it comes to deciding what to keep and what to put to sleep. Uh, one criticism of this book that is very hard to avoid as you're doing any sort of Googling <laughs> There's a ghost entering the room, uh, and uh, and it is the ghost of her dog. Um, that it is this. This is more of a memoir than a self help book in some ways. Oh, really? Um, because she goes into recipes and tells family stories. Yeah, which is kind of the sort of thing that happens when you get sidetracked from actually doing Swedish death cleaning. Yeah, I mean, I figured she was going to have, like, her experiences in the book. I mean, you know, from her bio and from reading the book, she has a lot of uh, what I like to call non-jobs. Like, this lady's got some money or she's married somebody with some money. Like, so. Or she inherited some money from her her husband. You know, she's probably going to have life coaching tacked on there at some moment. But, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, everybody can uh, just tack that on to their bio at any moment, apparently. <laughs> Get a therapist, everyone. <laughs> stop, stop giving your money to life coaches. Um, 
But no, she seems really cool. Um, but what was really funny, and this has happened throughout this series, of course, we put this book on our list, and then what happens? Some like brand new show comes out about it. And so the show is much longer than the book itself. The yeah. book is really short. The it's, book is a couple hours long. Yeah. And the show um, is just called The Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. It's on Peacock. Um, it is very, very queer eye. Yeah. The same formula. Mm -hmm. So you've got this group of Swedish people. They are characters. They have their costumes and their personalities. And they are like Ikea, if Ikea was a person. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, they come to people's houses and kind of like meet them and learn about them and then help them death clean. And you it's know, about a million times more heartwarming than the pamphlet is, which we read for this week's <laughs> podcast. It's yeah, it's it's definitely Americanized. It is like we are boohoo. I was boohooing like I am when I watch Queer Eye. Amy Poehler is the narrator. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's hilarious. It kind of takes the fishing with John style narration to a whole nother level. Uh, <laughs> she makes a lot of jokes. Uh, her observations are very funny. Yeah. Uh, she really kept me engaged with the narration, which is yeah, yeah. Th that's the point of of good narration. But in the show, they they do some of the methods that are in the book. Um, and the Swedish people who are here to help the Americans are, are uh, a psychologist a designer and an organizer. Yeah. So they are helping organize and declutter. They're also helping design and, you know, make some of these rooms like very beautiful interior aesthetically. And then they also are helping with the root of the problem, why these people are hoarding, so to speak, you know, and, with the psychology kind of around that so that we're not just cleaning and then going about and accumulating more stuff. We're actually getting to the root of why we accumulate stuff. A lot of the time there's a mental block. On, of course. Uh, I'm, I would say 100% of the time. Yeah. There's a mental block on letting go of the things that are, uh, that are all around you in my recording studio right now. <laughs> I mean, I don't think people want, nobody's like, I want, crap around me like forever yeah. and ever and it it weighs you down it it feels like you know it feels like trauma almost it's just like you carry it and if you're like me or like adam or like miss magnuson we've moved to different states you know we've so it's like you're dragging a lot of stuff you're dragging kind of a lot of pain and weight and memories around so Sometimes you're carrying stuff that you literally don't realize that you're carrying. Mm -hmm. So I have, uh, you know, in college, there were some hurried moves. Yeah. Uh, moving from one dorm room to another where right. you have to be out of this room <laughs> today and you have to be in the other room today. And you've got one vehicle, like you just kind of throw stuff in your car mm -hmm. and make two or three trips. And then as you are a young adult... That becomes like uh, crap. Our landlord told us that we have to be out tomorrow, and we've got a U-Haul trailer full of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
and then your friends help you move and they set stuff down in places where you're not exactly sure where -hmm. things went and you lose things for a while until it's time for the next move. Mm -hmm. And what happened to me a couple times fairly recently is uh, one time I was not allowed to pack and somebody packed for me. Mm -hmm. Therefore, some of my stuff was lost for five years. And then there were still other incidents where people boxed things up for me. And so I don't know what the, what's in these boxes. So I, one side of my house has a storage room. Super dangerous to have a storage room <laughs> because it allows you to simply put these anonymous boxes mm-hmm. into a place to forget about. But you still have these things. Mm-hmm. It's still going to be a problem for somebody at some point. And I'm 45 now, you know, having, uh, I'm getting over depression, but I'm having liver trouble now. So like, it's kind of on my mind a little bit more like my two kids are going to have to deal with the contents of this storage room. Mm -hmm. Friends helped me move. They put stuff in places I don't have any idea about. (laughs) Right. There was stuff belonging to my first wife in one box that if I had known I had it, I would have set fire to it years and years and years ago. <laughs> it was just a lot of trouble. Like, yeah. and I don't mean trouble like uh, it was inconvenient to go through. There's no reason that I should have had most of this stuff. Yeah. And having heard about Swedish death cleaning a couple months ago, I rented a 20 yard dumpster, which is the largest size. <laughs> and I filled it mostly with cardboard boxes from my storage room mm-hmm. and I got rid of maybe two thirds of the things that were in the storage room. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the space that was being taken up was cardboard boxes that were two thirds empty themselves. Mm-hmm. So I'm already on this quest and I'm yeah. getting more interested in properly reading about like, okay, what is Swedish death cleaning? Mm-hmm. Because I, when my dad died, we had to do an estate sale um, there was a lot of stuff that got sold that I wanted but couldn't take, didn't have time for. It weighed mm-hmm. two tons and I really wanted it but didn't, you know, didn't have anywhere to put it. And yet I still wound up with a whole bunch of his stuff that yeah. I didn't need at all. I was all. about to say, you still have a lot of his I have things. a lot of my dad's stuff that I had no business with <laughs> yeah. and sold off a bunch of stuff that's like, well, I'd use that every day if I had mm-hmm. it. Dang it. So I don't want my kids to have to be going through years worth of stuff yeah that belonged to not only me but my dad and my grandmother nobody has any idea what any of this stuff is why is dad hanging on to it let's imagine that i'm dead why is dad hanging (laughs) on to this why does dad have like this pair of dice like oh well that was my grandmother's okay well so is that why it's important (laughs) no it's no, I can get rid of it. You know, like you yeah. just spend two seconds thinking about it and like, mm-hmm. I there's no value in this. There's no sentimental value. It was simply the fact that this person owned it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to pass that on to my kids. Yeah, I don't want them to be like, well, this is dad's broken mic stand and I'm keeping this because this was dad's. Like, meanwhile, my ghost is like, <laughs> it's broken. <laughs> Throw it out. Yeah. So what what uh, what were some surprises that were waiting for you in the Swedish death cleaning book as far as like procedure? Um, 
So one thing that I really thought was interesting was, so you are Swedish death cleaning and reading the book and hearing about it um, and talking to Adam about it. You know, it's kind of interesting because as a person who doesn't have children, I was like, well, you know, when I die, like, who who cares? <laughs> like, nobody's going to give a shit. So why do I have to worry about that? Um, which a lot of people, I'm sure listening, kind of could probably say similar things. Um, but on the show... Most of these people are older and don't have kids. They have, like, a community of people. Mm -hmm. And they have, you know, they are important in their friend group, in their life, you know, with other people in their family. And I thought that was really interesting um, just kind of to show that it's not really just, like, about your kids that are going to be the ones that are, you know, going through your things when you're gone. Um, another thing that I really liked was they also talk about death cleaning. Americans are kind of not comfortable with that idea or that feeling. Um, but you can also reframe it as life cleaning. So whenever I was living in Nashville, um, I was married and I had a storage unit with my, um, ex partner and um it was full of crap I mean obviously a lot of it was his some of it was mine but you know when I you know filed for divorce and was separated and kind of wanted to have like a new start you know just a new life almost free from you know that trauma and that weight and so I just got rid of a bunch of that, and that felt to me like a new life. Yeah. So you're not weighed down by these memories. You're not weighed down by these things. Weight seems to be a recurring theme yeah. and kind of an important part in this. And I was talking to, which will bring us to, you know, and something else we're going to talk about, I was talking to our organizer that we had, that Adam had hired, and um, now my apartment, my home is filled with my favorite things. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about what's in a storage unit and what's in this place and what's in that place. Um, it's all of my favorite things. It's all things that are special to me. And that is kind of the point you want. Because I've always wanted to, as I've gotten older, create a home that is reflective of me, but also kind of my sanctuary. And when I'm surrounded just by clutter and stuff, it's really kind of activating and uh, overstimulating. Yeah. I have a similar deal where I'll... So, look, I've been depressed for a really long time. like, Or rather, I have dealt with depression all of my adult life. And I stopped taking one medication that I suspect has been has had a side effect of mm -hmm. giving me additional depression. And I've dealt with a lot of uh, trauma whose uh, PTSD can really mimic depression. So as I've kind of come out of this and the depression has fallen away, I look around at the environment that I've been living in and said to myself, like, this looks like it would 
cause mental illness. Mm -hmm. This looks like this would cause depression. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it looks like a depressed person has been living here. Partly because when you don't ever rid yourself of the stuff that you don't need, mm -hmm. the energy of that thing is there just kind of dragging you down like a weight. Like you're trying to tread water and it's it's keeping you uh, barely above the surface and trying to drag you down. So it kind of became really important to me the more I cleaned that storage room out. Like, hey, I feel lighter. I feel mm -hmm. lighter after every day of doing this. And I want to keep on doing this, which led us, of course, to eventually hiring a KonMari expert mm -hmm. to come help me sort through the non-storage stuff. Mm -hmm. And I thought that it was going to be really easy. It's fairly grueling. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it's the day that I picked doing it, which, you know, I've just done EMDR and then I come home and I make decisions we also about have couples therapy. That yeah, same couples day, therapy the same sometimes. day. Then I make decisions about what I'm going to throw choice. away for three hours. <laughs> This is not my choice in schedule. Yeah. <laughs> no, everything's just, on Monday, God damn it. I will. Can I just like throw that out there? Um, but <laughs> but yeah, um, her name is Lindsay. Her um, business is called Get Organized Y'all. Um, she is based in Atlanta. She, I found her. She was um, leading a discussion for a screening on Georgia Public Broadcasting called um, Love and Stuff, and it was basically the same things we've been talking about. Some, you know, a filmmaker, her mother passed away, and she's going through all this stuff, um, and it's just, like, very overwhelming. And, yeah, you don't know what to keep and what is valuable. And yeah, what... and then you throw in grief on top of that. Right. Now, death cleaning is not necessarily about cleaning up before your own death mm -hmm. or cleaning up after somebody else's. Uh, in fact, there's plenty of advantages in not doing it that way and just doing it because it's been five years or 10 years or whatever. Right. And it's time to revamp your house and make sure that you're not like just dragging around stuff you don't need to be. But when you throw grief into the equation on, you know, partner died mm -hmm. and it is time to get rid of some of the stuff, mm -hmm. the idea of sorting through their things without them is unbearable. She also had a newborn baby. Yes. And she's like thinking like, oh, God, oh gosh, what about my daughter's mm -hmm. stuff? What about when, she, when I die, you know? So we asked her what she thought about... Lindsay, we uh, asked. We asked her what she thought about this book, and she was like, mm, not crazy about it. Yeah. Like, it is it is a lot of the same stuff, mm -hmm. but I'm not crazy about how it's written, mm -hmm. which seconded. Um, I am crazy about the narrator. The yeah. lady that narrated this book uh, really gave it some uh, gravitas and very soothing. Very soothing. When I was driving, listening to it, I was just like, "Oh yes." Yeah, it was ASMR <laughs> British lady reading the whole thing. She could probably have her own ASMR. Channel. I liked the music that was on it too. I mean, I was just I was really into the audio. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, the production won me over in a way that the uh, the layout didn't. But yeah, Lindsay's method is KonMari. So we've during it's the pandemic Marie Kondo's method. Yeah, during the pandemic, we all kind of watched Tidying Up with Marie Kondo, this cute Japanese lady who comes in and she's I love mess, you know. <laughs> she's so sweet, so fun, and yeah, she kind of. Same thing, cleans up people's houses, kind of goes through that human aspect with them. And 
Lindsay's kind of doing the same thing. So it's like these items, what are they used for? Why do you want them? What would, you know, what could be the benefit of letting it go? And, and does do it Do you really need joy? five of these? Yeah, does it spark joy? Does this not spark joy? And like what that means, you yeah. know? And she's very thorough. She's very, um, she'll, she'll push you. Which I like, yeah. But also very gentle, very sweet person, um, and very cool. I love you know hanging out with her, but um, it's it's been very helpful. But the differences are so in Kanmari, which Lindsay has a huge list of um, places to donate or recycle your items, mm-hmm. and the Swedish Death Cleaning wants you to do that too. However, a lot of the biggest difference to me in the Swedish death cleaning book is they really emphasize passing things to others. So if something's special to you, you would, and not just like, here, take this, you know, it's like. That's a really important distinction. (laughs) Right. It's like. I have 30 cooking books that you're going to take now. (laughs) No. No, I'm not. Yeah, Lindsay is like, hey, unless you have someone in your family who's like all about cookbooks and they just love cookbooks, maybe don't burden them with your things because then they're like, oh, God, I have to keep this. You know, my dad or my friend gave it to me. I don't really know why, but I feel like I have to keep it. But the um, death cleaning is more... um, you're making it special, so you're like, this was your grandmother's, and she, you, she, you know, the story behind it, she used this for whatever, and then she gave it to me, and now I really want to give it to you, you know, or and here's this, why. and here's why, and it's not just like dumping your stuff on other people, but it is making it special, and throughout the book, I think they mentioned, like, if you have a cousin or a niece or nephew in your family who's going to college and got a new apartment, do you have, like, three blenders? Yeah. They might want one. Right. You know, like... It can't be a situation where... And I have this saying, here, you throw this away. <laughs> right. You've heard me say that. Like, somebody hands you a flyer on the street for something that you're not going to be interested in. It's like, okay. <laughs> or I'll, put it on your car I'll window. go throw this away for you. Uh, so it can't be like that. You know, it can't just be like, I've decided that this is important to you now. It's, well, you know, the artist in the family mm-hmm. is maybe going to get the art supplies. Yeah. The musician in the family is going to be the one the one that gets, you know, these instruments. And the, the thing that I really like about the Swedish Death Cleaning show is that they find the right places for these items to go. Mm-hmm. So I try to donate musical items to schools that have music programs because I did not go to a school that had a music program and I really wish that I did. So I want to try to help out with that. Mm -hmm. I also try to donate instruments to my friend's charity, Jail Guitar Doors, Mm -hmm. uh, where we're trying to teach prisoners how to have uh, an artistic outlet for their uh, maladjusted impulses. Maybe if they have an artistic outlet, they won't go rob a convenience store when they're frustrated or, you know. Uh, then they write Folsom Prison Blues. Right, exactly. 
<laughs> but my point is that like there the show tries to find like really noble places yeah. to to donate these things to and I don't want to spoil the show too much but you know this one lady who was uh, an art curator she's an artist she's she, an artist but she collected local art collected local art that lesbian lady yes I but also her. part of her deal was trying to find talented local art and shine a light on Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. and she had a lot of really and it was only really amazing artwork from these local artists Mm -hmm. and so the people that did the show put it in an art gallery Mm -hmm. and had the mayor come Mm -hmm. and so this is a big deal this is not simply like well here's a piece of art by this unknown artist that you're going to get now for some reason instead here is an exhibit of mm-hmm. all of the work collected by this person in the mm-hmm. community here's why that it's significant here you know look at this collection all together mm-hmm. and that that makes a big difference when it's a collection that makes sense mm-hmm. and you can give give something context it gives it a power that it wouldn't have otherwise had to me, that was one of the more tear-jerking episodes, and they've... Adam looked at me, and I was like, why did they do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's emotional manipulation. <laughs> that was me. Um, and then that one episode where the, the young man, his parents passed away, and he had kept a lot of the voicemails, and, and the designers from the show made him a digital... Uh, keepsake for his voicemails and then they played it and I was like not they're not gonna play the voicemail oh god oh god <laughs> so instead of hanging on to a million things that had some sort of, like that they were simply owned by this person right instead like let's pare it down to something meaningful that you can keep that does make sense that is going to have a, an emotional impact mm-hmm. on you on a daily basis instead of just dragging you down and that part you know in my life, so most of people in my life know I was so close with my grandmother. Like, she was my best friend. I was, you know, I, my parents were super, super young when they had me. I spent a lot of time with her. Um, she was amazing. She passed away in 2014, um, almost 10 years now, which is crazy. But I have, my mom was, an, she has half siblings, but she was an only child to that grandmother. And, um, so, and I'm the only girl of my mother's, so, of course, I got a lot of my grandmother's things, and over the years of, you know, get rid of things, donating things, giving things to people as gifts, like, I'm like, well, I have a lot of my grandmother's things, you know, I have her jewelry and pieces of her furniture and, like, little ob- vintage objects that she, you know, kept, so losing one or two things that I don't really have use for didn't really feel like I was ripping my own heart out, if yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think that sometimes you have to make sure that you're honoring this person by having a use for them instead of just letting them sit in a drawer, or sit in a storage room when other people could have use for it. And then in... Th- away their legacy lives on by helping someone else which yeah. i think if you ask anybody 
would you ask your departed loved one, would they want to help people after they're gone? They would probably all say yes, unless they're just like a villain or something. (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, people also get real stubborn. Um, I mean, we see this in the Swedish death cleaning show as well. It's like, well, why do you have this? Because it's mine. It's that kind of circular logic. I've always had it. Yeah, because because this is what I have. (laughs) Um, So there was a lady who was an empty nester who had several kids (laughs) and a whole bunch of daughters. And so they've got, I think, eight rooms in their house for kids. Yeah. For their kids who are all adult now and gone. And every single one of those rooms was the way that their kid left it. Yeah. Cleaner, but still all the stuff. Yeah. All of the stuff was in there. And they bring the kids in to start trying to get rid of things. And the kids are just going through the things, but keeping everything. And they're not really on board. Yeah. So what would you say, how would you characterize this technique for... Get what what being able to like turn the key that unlocks the thing in their brains. That's like, oh, maybe I should be a little bit more brutal with whether or not I keep this shit and whether or not I keep it right here in my parents' house. Man, that one was tough for me because like when I moved out of my parents' house when I was eighteen, I was like, I'm I kept like some pajamas and like Mm. some t-shirts, but I didn't really keep things at my parents' house. So that was kind of weird for me. Um, I don't know. I came back and all my stuff was gone from my room. (laughs) So I also, I was kind of deprived of that uh, ability to grow there. It's not a decision that I made. They, you know, it just kind of got made for me. My room got turned into a nursery for somebody that didn't exist yet. And as far as I know, still doesn't. Uh, so I, I did not have to grow up in that way nor make that decision. But what, what did they do to kind of get these kids to it wake up? It was basically up? like, think of, quit, I mean, it was basically like quit being selfish brats, grow up, yeah, you know, and let your mom live her own life. Like she's lived a life for you since like 91, you mm-hmm. know. And now it's time for her to live her own life and have her own house. And y'all have your, you have your own houses. Like, right. <laughs> like what? It was just confusing for me. That episode was a little weird for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, it seemed like you're, you know, it really did click for them when it's like you can unburden your mom, you can make her happy. <laughs> so it would have been roughly, her. it probably would have taken their mom eight years oh, yeah. to clean yeah. all of that stuff and sort through it, give it away, give it to them, mm-hmm. uh, figure out what needs to stay and go, but it's not her stuff. Mm-hmm. And she has her own life that she has to continue living. That's why I'm estimating it's probably... On average, probably a kid's room per year could have been salvaged. And instead, her kids came over and did it all at once. Yeah. With the help of the organizers and the people. Hey, kids, if we all do this together, this is going to take eight to 16 hours Mm -hmm. versus taking your mom eight years. Because, I mean, you can watch a show and you can read a book, but it really does help if you have like somebody pushing you gently because it's not like this sh- i will say like the show is not like hoarders first of all 
everybody's house on this show is not just like decrepit and crazy no. looking. I mean, sometimes there's a little, there's a mess. Sometimes it's enough of a mess for two people, and there's only one person left. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a um, a busy collection of tiki things uh. that has grown past its borders and usefulness. And the person walking around in it has no idea what to do with it anymore because they don't see yeah. it. And it gets hard to clean when there's so much stuff. Like it's hard to actually like dust and like wipe down your table and things like when there's just a bunch of crap on it. But like it's it's not like hoarders. It's not like super intense like uncleanliness. It's and it's also not super intense um People on the show, like, they're not just like, you need to get rid of this because you're a crazy person. Like, this is insane. Like, it's gentle. <laughs> and we're talking about the show so much because there's just not a lot to the book. Right. So one thing that is in both the show and the book that I did want to talk about is the For You box, which I thought was really cool. So the concept is getting a box for you. And they said a shoe box. But, you know, a varying size box, Mm -hmm. nothing too big. And that size is important because that's the amount of things you are going to limit yourself to. But it's sentimental items that are yours, concert tickets, photos, your mom's scarf, something that is not very valuable, but it means so much to you. However, when you die and someone sees it, they can just toss it. Right. You know. And it's all together. It's not, you know, littered throughout. And it's your things. And you can have the memories. And you can go back and look. Um, Because they do... It's not like... I know that during the pandemic and even with the help of the KonMari show, a lot of people got into, like, minimalism. Mm -hmm. And it's not really that either. Because they... On this show, I mean, they've got people's storage rooms in their basements. They've got shelves full of totes that are labeled and things are nicely organized. But it's not the dead but it's ex-wife not like, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For example. Right. It's, but it's not. It's stuff that's not useless. It's stuff that it's not just like you need to like clear your whole house before you can be happy. Right. You know, because a lot of people sometimes will go extreme and they're just like, I don't need anything. And, you know, that's a thing, too. And they wind up buying a bunch of crap over the next five years and filling <laughs> their house back up. Right. Um, because, like, I even told Lindsay, you know, um, I personally have gotten rid of a lot of stuff and I really enjoy it. It makes me feel good when I do. Mm. But I'm a maximalist. Like, if anybody's been over to my house... Um, a lot of people like to say that my apartment reminds me of their grandmother's house, which I don't really know how to take, <laughs> but like, I have a lot of things. You have Meemaw style. <laughs> that is so rude. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you can be a maximalist and be a death cleaner. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. There's the, the keep on in the show about, um, having the right amount of stuff mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. for a collection or mm-hmm. for decorating purposes uh, or just for surrounding yourself with the things that you love. There's there's the, the area that we're all super familiar with where there was way too damn much. Mm-hmm. 
uh, whether it's a collection that has gotten completely out of control mm-hmm. and you like, or like my house where you walk in and there's nowhere for your eye to rest. It's just stuff everywhere you look. And then let's say hypothetically, I take a dose of psilocybin and suddenly <laughs> I see everything and I'm horrified yeah. at where I live. Like, okay, so I'm going to start doing the Swedish death cleaning thing. And then as I, I didn't make this clear, I hopped over from one method to another. Yeah. So once I got done-ish with my storage room, mm-hmm. it was like, it is time to, it's time to hop on over to the KonMari method. Yeah. Individual and, items. Right, exactly. In analyzing what they are used for. And um, and yeah. having the right amount of stuff. Yeah, because so the book and the show, they use different Swedish terms for not too little, not too much, and home blindness. Which is what I was just referring to. <laughs> right, right. Whenever you, you, a lot of people have this, and, and even I, to a certain extent, like where you're in there every day and you just walk by yeah. the boxes or something which is a fair it's not like it's mental illness this is a thing that our brains have to do in order for us to not be completely overwhelmed by all things at all times whereas if my mom came over it would be like what is this i'd be like oh i forgot (laughs) yeah (laughs) forgot about all the boobs on the walls everywhere (laughs) um but yeah and from from my perspective like so i grew up with my mom, who is very, very meticulous about cleaning, to a point where I feel like it sometimes robs her. And I don't think she would mind me saying this. I think sometimes it it distracts from her being able to have a full and joyful life because she is distracted by cleaning up messes pretty much all the time. But she also enjoys cleaning. Yeah. But she grew up with my grandmother, who is more like me, who likes 70s things, but also kind of airs into a side of hoardering as she got a little bit older. That happens. And my mom was like, I would never, I'm never going to live in a house like this. Yeah. And that was kind of how she coped with and that. And the pendulum swings mm-hmm. way over in the mm-hmm. opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So I would like to think that my philosophy and my style is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it's not as... a. Uh, uh, just walking into your place is not an overwhelming experience for me. Sometimes I wonder if it's cluttery to other people. Mm. I mean, just because I, you know. <laughs> There's definitely stuff to look at as you walk around, you yeah. know, but not like an eccentrically distracting amount of stuff. And I mean, I can still clean it. Yeah. It's not like overwhelming to clean, at least not to me. But if I were to treat myself and call somebody to come over here and clean, I would have to do what I'm already doing. Right. I would I would have to fix the place so that there is a place to put everything. That's what I I really do for at least my mental checklist i guess is like there needs to be a place for everything and if there's not a place for it then i need to get rid of it yeah so that's yeah and i think that's what you've been doing yeah right absolutely yeah so and also when we are two adults you know we've got two blenders two microwaves two everything yeah so you gotta two go in you gotta downsize one goes out yeah <laughs> The kitchen aid or the magic bullet. Yeah. 
<laughs> and we just take the glass parts off and let the mechanical portions battle it out to see who's got the stronger blades. It's like the brave little toaster. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess is a movie about hoarding. It's a movie about don't get rid of your stuff or they'll cry. But, oh, my God, I did want to mention this. So this is one thing. They definitely talk about reusing, recycling a lot in the Swedish death cleaning method. And in Sweden, 1% of garbage goes to a landfill. Yeah. How nuts is that? It's shocking. Every every time we watch this, I'm like, I want to go to Sweden. I want to be Swedish. I just want to live in Sweden. Every time we watch <laughs> this show. I don't want to be American. <laughs> I don't know. I like Swedish people a lot. I wonder, so happy. I wonder how it would affect me to be around them 100% of the time. I would love it. <laughs> All these tall people. I, I toured with uh, Swedish people for seven weeks once, and uh, it, they were so funny and so uh, tall. Br- they were so brutal. <laughs> they, well, they weren't particularly tall to me. Um, I toured Europe, mm-hmm. uh, the continent, with the band Europe, mm-hmm. uh, who are from Sweden. Uh, you know, final countdown. <laughs> Um, that's all we know of them here. They're really big uh, mm-hmm. in Europe for uh, lots of other hits. But yeah, they were such a funny people, mm-hmm. uh, really warm, uh, just like we've seen in the show. But they're also like really, really, really blunt in yeah. a way that uh, I think particularly Southerners in the United States would have a hard time stomaching. Oh, we're all very polite and like backhanded compliments and yeah. Bless your heart. Right. Which they are gentle, but they are like straight to the point. Absolutely. Which I enjoyed. So while I was going through my storage room, I had to get really, really I had to change my mindset mm-hmm. from one of sentimentality to uh, being brutal. So Lindsay gave you a sentimental box yeah. that you've been adding things into mm-hmm. as we've been going through your stuff, which is cool. And it's like your dad's hat. You're not going to really wear that, but no. it means a lot. And it's It would really, be really weird if I got rid of it. <laughs> it would. It's very cute. Yeah. I personally think your younger son could wear it. It would look yeah. pretty cute. But maybe one day he will. Who knows? But yeah. um yeah, so you have your box, and that's kind of the limited space that you've given yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you've been adding things into it, and then it's going to go into storage. And then you can use it. You can get rid of things. One thing that um, I don't know if anybody mentioned, but it might be good with kids, that you did put the stuff, you know, Hamish, younger son is getting older, put the stuff in the box. If he asks about it, if he thinks about it, We'll pull it back out. But if not, three months goes by. Yeah. Nobody misses it. Which Lindsay said something like that, actually. You know, like, if you put it in the box, you don't think about it, you don't miss it, and then you come back to it on a certain date, you have a timeline. Yeah. Ship it off. Oh, I didn't miss any of this stuff. And that was kind of what I thought of uh, as I returned to a storage room that I where I had to put most of my stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in between moves because Mm -hmm. I didn't have enough room in my new house to move the stuff into. So Mm -hmm. a lot of my stuff went into storage. 
And for a little over a year, I kept on going, God, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. I mm. wish I had these things so that I could do the work that I am supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my musical gear, a lot of my studio, all of my studio equipment was in storage and I missed it, missed it, missed it, missed it. And uh, really tried very hard not to buy replacements for mm-hmm. those things to help me limp on through the, through the year. Mm-hmm. And then... As I got back to that stuff, it was like, yes. And then there's these <laughs> other boxes where I'm like, oh, fuck, forgot about that. Hmm. You know, I, yeah. Not only was I not super enthusiastic about, like, oh, right, I've got this tote mm-hmm. of stuff that I threw in when I, and it was like 2001. And I thought, I'll deal with this later. Well, mm-hmm. It still needs to be dealt with, and I want to do it exactly the same amount, which is none. <laughs> there were some boxes like that that I took straight to the dumpster without mm-hmm. sorting through. Just, yeah. I don't feel like going through this, you know, 22-year-old Adam, 23-year-old <laughs> Adam thought maybe there was some chance that yeah. I would ever use this again, and 45-year-old Adam disagrees. Get rid yeah. of it. And that's another thing, too. I think as you grow older, a lot of stuff becomes more slash less important. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I loved this when I I remember I found it at a thrift store when I was 21. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, I'm 31 and that's not really like the style that I'm going for now. So, you know, peace out. Bye. And that's okay. Where is it going now? (laughs) Is it going to a landfill or is it going to? And just to let you know, there's a goodwill. Back to the thrift store. There is a goodwill. A mile up the hill uh, from my house that is about to be just absolutely full of... They're going to think someone died. ...of eccentric (laughs) Adam stuff. It's like, good Lord. They're going to be like, who died? (laughs) Every time I I say this to my friends all the time, you go... So I love thrift stores. Uh, Growing up as a poor person, I got a lot of stuff from the thrift store, and now in my adult life is going back to whence it came. But no, I say this all the time, like... I go to the thrift store and there's just like a million on one shelf, like ceramic little frogs. And mm-hmm. I'm like, somebody just died. Right. Somebody's collection of 300 frogs. ceramic frogs. <laughs> Some poor old lady. <laughs> and her kids were like, no, bye. Uh-uh. We don't, I don't want ever want to see those again. Yep. So, I mean, you know, that's if she had death cleaned, she would have probably gotten rid of a lot of that already. Right. So which which brings me to uh, maybe the most off-putting part of the Swedish death cleaning oh, right. book. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to bring this part. No, I'm going to bring it up exactly <laughs> like the uh, the one guy did with the talking about how the Holocaust wasn't so bad. Oh, my God. Um, this was part was really brutal. So she was trying to figure out who was going to take her dog. <laughs> Her dog was fine, uh, was old. and uh, and then she just put the dog down. <laughs> yeah, she was moving. She was moving and was just like, you know, I'm going to kill the dog. Yeah, um, he was elderly. She just thought to herself, no one's going to want to take this dog with his health issues and his just being old, old, you know. Well, it's not like it was Jekyll or something. Right. I mean, he had like a different diet and he, you know, had a hard time moving around. He was energetic like a puppy. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I don't think he was taking at least that she mentioned any like medication. Right. Yeah. So it just wasn't a young dog anymore. Maybe it was a middle-aged dog. So we put it down. So we put it down. (laughs) You couldn't find anybody to take a dog. 
That is definitely not, that is where an American versus Swedish or European person is going to differ. I also think that this is, I mean, I understand that that Swedish people are white people, but this is also a white people reaction. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) Um, well, also like (sighs) white people treat dogs better than we treat other races a lot of the time. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm referring to. That's true. That is true. Not the dog. Um, yeah, no, like she could have had like a group of liberal Karens like picketing yeah. her house yeah. if you know if Asking it had landed to the wrong wrong hands. Um But point taken. You yeah. Know? Um definitely think about your pets life after you go if you are at an older age i but yeah, I like if you're 90 don't be buying a brand a, new puppy don't yeah. get a <laughs> don't get a parrot yeah. you know like don't get a cockatoo no, nobody likes when those. you're elderly like those damn things live to be 50 60 Dude, 75 years or a turtle um yeah but i also think like older people like at least like that i knew like growing up country in the south like a dog well it's sick Old Yeller. Yeah. I mean, by, or bit somebody. Right. Nice knowing you. Like. <laughs> the dog trainer that was over here yesterday uh, got, in, he's training a dog and the dog attacked him. Oh, no. And it's, he misunderstood kind of some of the mm-hmm. triggers for the dog's mm-hmm. biting. And this was a spaniel. This oh, is geez. not like a mastiff or a Rottweiler or a pit bull where there's like this reputation. This is a smaller dog. Yeah. Uh, that's just got a screw loose, uh, and it it was a resource protector. Mm-hmm. Anyway, dog bites him, and the owner is immediately like, well, I was just talking to the vet just now, and they said they could be over here in an hour to put the dog down. To put and, it down? Yeah. And oh, he's geez. like, hey, that's kind of drastic. Yeah. Like, my job here is to make sure that this dog understands it doesn't need to bite anymore. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Like when it, it if you're more rural uh-huh. and you're working with a rural vet, yeah. then yeah, livestock, property, uh-huh. uh, this is not so much a family member, you know, as it is like your, your burglar alarm. Yeah. <laughs> so my burglar alarm is malfunctioning. <laughs> it's going off when mm-hmm. family members are coming into the house. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get rid of it. And that's just, it's a very different <laughs> culture than than the house that I live in. Where, you know, I've got these two little pities that <laughs> want to be part of the family and considered one of the children. Bro, these dogs got, are, these dogs hit the jackpot. Uh, <laughs> they're treated better than like most people's kids. Yeah. Um, so I am that person. <laughs> I am that person that would be horrified that the ladies put her dog, who was fine, down because she was moving. Uh, and then... um. Oh, yeah, the one chapter that I kept laughing at. When you get older to a certain age, yeah. toss out the dildos so your Maybe family keep won't. one. Bro, look, if you're going through my stuff when I die and you know me enough and you love me enough to do that, you you know you're going to find something crazy. Yeah. You know you're going to find some. So don't be acting surprised. I think that might be I a generational, generational difference I right here. I push back on that one. Yeah. I'm like, look, accept your people for all the dildos they have. (laughs) You think grandma don't do nothing? Think again. She's a freak. (laughs) And don't be acting surprised when she when she's when you find her freaky things. 
Anyway, Swedish I mean, they're, freaky they're thing human. Cleaning. It's a you're a human being. Pretty sure humans like orgasms. I'm pretty sure that's how a lot of us got here. Right. I mean, some of us. Definitely but, a couple of us. Um. Yeah, I mean, that that part, like, I I pushed back on that part. <laughs> Adam didn't like the dogs part. I didn't like the dildo part. So that's where we landed. I'm sure some of our listeners are going to disagree on that. Like, well, I was moving and I got rid of a dog that way. Or like, I got rid of all my dildos. Somebody said that I was, you know, I needed to get rid of all my dildos. So I did. (laughs) But... That brings us to the the wrap up. Like, so how how did you feel? Like, what what's going to be your takeaway from this book over um, the next year? What are you going to like really remember about Swedish death cleaning? I love it. I I mean, I love getting rid of things. I love donating things. I love, you know, having that. I feel good when I do that. So it's like hit of dopamine or something. Right. So I think that that for me, what's going to stick with me is just the concept of Swedish death cleaning Mm -hmm. because this is not really a how-to book. There's not really a lot of steps in it. The lady just like kind of goes on about her why Swedish death cleaning and her personal (laughs) journey with it. Yeah. yeah. And then wraps it up with a few recipes. I swear to God. I swear to God. Yeah, she just lists off her recipes, but it's on like metric system too. (laughs) So I'm like... (sighs) I don't know what none of this means. <laughs> so there's a, there's better books out there if you want to clean up your house. Or just watch the cute little show, Cry, and then clean your house. I think that watching the show might jumpstart people into wanting to get a book yeah. to figure out yeah. how to clean their house. And I, I, what I was wanting to do when we talked about this last week, I was like, could we maybe do a compare and contrast with the yeah. you know Marie Kondo's book versus this book, and I kind of I kind of wish that we had because well, I feel like we kind of did, we, and that we kind of did, yeah. Um, because now we can recommend like maybe watch the show yeah. on Swedish death cleaning, get the picture, get the message, because that's all the book is. Yeah, it's just like hey, you might want to think about this, you might want to do this, and then read Marie Kondo's book. Well, and I don't know if you noticed this, maybe you didn't. In one of the episodes, they recommended not The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. They recommended another book by another author, which is The Workbook mm. of Swedish Death Cleaning. And I, I looked that up, but it so it's a different author and everything, but it's still the same kind of concept. But they also drive home that this is cultural. This right. is not like Margaret Miss Magnuson created this. This right. is a cultural thing. She's trying to tell the rest of the world about yeah. something that her culture does. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like someone's taking her idea or her trademark, but it, it, it was another they book. They took the book title. Yeah. Yeah. They it, took the book title and made a show with it for sure. Yeah. So, um, but I thought that was interesting that they, they wanted them to, to do the workbook instead of the actual book. And I thought about maybe checking that out too. Yeah. I mean, there's just not a lot to it. Um, if you really want to sit there and listen to uh, a book read by a nice British lady, please go ahead. <laughs> yes, yeah, really. You know, sure, uh, yeah. there's nothing wrong with this book oh, yeah. uh, except for like the trigger warning thing about the dog. <laughs> the dog. <laughs> if you just want to get rid of your dog, um. So tell us about her socials. Oh yeah, she's not. I mean, there is a. It's at Swedish Death Cleaning. There is a Instagram account. She does not keep up with it. She's no. like uh, really old. I yeah. mean, she's eighty two hundred. She's between eighty and. 100. Um, she does have a website. Um, 
all the people on the Swedish show have social media, obviously, so you can check those people out. But um, what do you got coming up? I'm recording uh, a covers album with the Pinks, and I'm writing songs. Uh, we have a show coming up uh, at the Star Bar June 20th. Yay. And that's going to that's gonna be the rock and roll show of the summer. Uh, pretty convinced. I can pretty confidently say that. And uh, <laughs> hopefully we've got some more episodes coming up with Power and Volume, which on Instagram is at Power and Volume. Um, so next week I'm going to be touring. I am going to be performing um, Wednesday, May 24th. Um, I'm going to be featuring at Real Funny Beehams. Mike at True Story Brewery. Um, I'm really hoping I'm going to see some of my friends there. Um, that Friday, the 20, or that Thursday, the 25th, I'm going to be at the Dive Motel in Nashville, mm. one of my favorite places on earth. Fun place. Can't wait to tell some stories <laughs> on stage. Um, but it's. <laughs> It's Dive Hard Comedy uh, put on by Eastside Comedy and MK Gannon. Um, and then Friday, the 26th, I'm going to be in Chattanooga at Stone Cup Cafe for Stone Cold Comedy. I'm going to be featuring on that one, too, with Matt Harris. Um, but, yeah, that's it for me. I think that's it for us. Yeah. Uh, do we know what we're going to be reading next week? Oh, gosh. I, don't, I haven't thought about it. I've been just really busy. Yeah. I've been really busy. I've been really busy cleaning. <laughs> yeah, well, we've been cleaning and, you know, like, all the things, work, um, comedy, uh, everything. So Music, kids, dogs. Yeah, it's been a wild one. So wild we'll, one. we'll maybe let you know on our uh, social media, which... Uh, uh, At checking.in.podcast. There it is. All right, <laughs> folks. Well, we'll see you all next week. Thank you so much. We love you. Thanks.